welcome to Knife Making Down Under, um, Australia's uh, least professional knife making. In fact, probably the world's least professional knife making podcast. Whoa, sketchy as fuck. That's a, that's a pretty uh, big claim. I've got home brew yeah, tonight you, you and that looks like some weird shit. Um, that shit looks like Timmy Ford's milk. It does, doesn't it? But it's actually, it's actually, <laughs> you know, Joe Brunetta from Gamaco, yeah, uh, Goo Ball Knives. Yeah, yeah. Joe, uh, Joe's mother made it for me, and it, it's some lemon liqueur, Italian lemon liqueur. Tastes like a lemon oh, sorbet on steroids. Lemoncello. That's probably what it is. Yeah, it's all right. It's, oh, Jesus! Cheers, Joe. Cheers, brother. Right, I got to follow that up with a bit of Lafroy as well to get the taste out. Sorry, no, to um. Should be happy days. All right. Where were we? All right. So, welcome back. Who have we got tonight? Barry Gardner. So, guys, uh, we've got a special guest tonight, Barry Gardner from Gardner Knives. Uh, Barry's based down in Sepplesfield, South Australia, and um, has been running a very successful knife school there for uh, probably seven or eight years, Barry? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, guys. So we'll be interviewing Welcome him tonight along, in our usual style. And, um, yeah, of course, we've got Kev from Kev's What's Forge. And Mert. Our, our usual style of all over the place. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I have my wife listening tonight to see what I like Thursday nights when I'm home. I'm sorry, Goichi. Um, she's, she's not going to be happy, dude. My, my wife won't even yeah. watch this shit. <laughs> All right. Hello, hello got, Mrs. Goichi, Forging we, we got 55, uh, 55 people out there now. Well, one just dropped off. They're good choice. Oh, two. All right, now, what are we going to do? Um, Kev, take over, mate. What do we got? What's happening this week what in the we, world? What's, hap- what's been happening this week? That's a good question. Hmm. Uh, same, same as last week. <laughs> just watching Curran's face. He's having a sip of the limoncello. <laughs> Oh, you've got to, if you listen to the podcast, you've got to tune in on Thursday night to see the shoot we get up to. <laughs> Adds another element to this. Um, so, yeah, where have we been up to or what have we been up to? Um, I'm still struggling with my back at the moment, but I have had more workshop time, which is good. And I managed to actually get a whole lot of stuff done today, which was awesome. Uh, so my orders, which were looking a bit... I was kind of looking at my orders with a bit of doom and gloom, like how the hell am I getting this done? Um, now I'm actually confident that I'm going to get it done. I've even taken on a couple more. So <laughs> you just can't beat the stupidity of saying, yeah, I'll do that for you. <laughs> it's just like, can't switch off, can't say no. No. It's got to come a time one day. But no, I'm happy. I've been back in the workshop. Um dealing with things as they go, try not to be too doom and gloom. Uh, I've had a couple of support things come through from people. Thanks very much. Um, I've lived 27 years with chronic back pain. I just happened to have it in the last few, well, let's say the last 18 months I've been dealing with chronic back pain in another location with my back. And it just flared up last week to the point where, um, you know, I decided I actually need to go down to the new doctor and get some treatment. So thanks for everyone for your support. I appreciate it. But um, I'm no stranger to this sort of shit. I'll just, I'll get grumpy every now and then and I'll get a bit terse every now and then from it. But that's just because, you know, when you're in pain all the time, it's a fucking pain in the ass. But a pain in the back, pain in the ass. 
Um, so yeah, no, I'm very happy. I, I actually got about four and a half hours in the workshop today before I thought that was enough because I want to get in there tomorrow and do some more stuff. Um, so on the men, as they say, getting shit done. What have you been up to, Mert? Oh, look, look, man, I got a lot of things happening. A couple of weeks ago, I took a very large order from a from a vendor from a Haunted Valley Blades, uh, Blades series. So I have 12 knives work in works at the moment. So that's a lot of fucking knives. And I, on top of it, I've done a big batch of stainless steel treatment. And later on, I'm going to tell you guys how to how to do series, like how to use the ATP641 anti-scaling compound. And I'm also going to tell you guys how to retrieve a blade if your fishing line snaps and you lose the blade in the liquid nitrogen. <laughs> so, <look. laughs> so this is this how to series is a bit more intricate. It's not like, oh, how you do like a convex grind. No, no, no. I'm going straight to like a source when shit hits the fan. So maybe we should start a new series like when shit, shit hits the fan. I'm going to tell you guys how to apply ATP641 and also how to retrieve a stainless blade. And if if your whatever the shit that you were putting it down with gets gets snapped. So I had, hey, a, I had a busy week. Yeah, man. On that on that note, my um, Dua, Dua, however you want to pronounce it, the yeah. one I've got, I bought off Chad. And yes. come to think of it, I'm pretty sure there's a blade in the bottom of it. And it's now like it's it hasn't had liquid nitrogen in there for ages. I've got to go and lift the lid and see if I can shake that sucker out carefully. No, 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 no. It's not. You can't. You can't because I fucking tried it. <laughs> <laughs> so Im imagine me. I emptied the fucking Dewar into a, our, like, our... Uh, our soup fucking pot. I'm in, the, I'm in the back garden. I flip the deer upside down. I'm hopping down like a fucking scuba like hopping down. And I'm shoving a, I'm shoving a 15 and 20 that has a magnet stuck into it with the duct tape and all that shit. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. There, there are ways, okay? There, yeah. there are specific techniques. I'm, yeah. Right. Uh, well, I'm sure tonight's going to be as educational as ever. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> How about you, oh. babe? <laughs> Sorry, guys. What was that? How about you, mate? What have you been what up you, to this week? What have you been up to? Uh, this week, uh, yesterday and today was uh, a day off for us. Um, we've been doing a lot of uh, workshops of late, and uh, I had a few things to catch up with. Um, and I had a chance to finish off uh, a couple of mosaic blades, uh, which I'm pretty nice. happy with. Um, it's been a pretty cruisy week, actually. Pretty cruisy week. But it, it hasn't all been of cruisy. It hasn't all been cruisy for you this year, Baz. Um, as most of our listeners would probably be aware, and some have um, sort of intimated already. Uh, yeah, you had a bit of a bit of an issue earlier in the year. Uh, I did. I um, uh, I've been I've been a smoker for about fifty-seven years, and um, I'm sixty-six now. Um, with the when the COVID started, we, uh, we closed down uh, the workshops. Um, 
and uh, I was able to go into to uh, my studio there and keep forging and messing away. And, uh, had a lot of fun working on my own there, and and then one morning I went in uh, with what I thought of, uh, what, it, what I thought was indigestion, and I was sitting there and I'm thinking, uh, fuck, this doesn't feel right. Uh, so I uh, packed up, came home, went straight to the hospital, and apparently I'd had a, uh, a heart attack, and uh, I'm now eight weeks. Uh, from the from having it and uh, I'm, I'm back doing workshops now and things have healed up um, I had a, a triple bypass and uh, yeah it was pretty scary um, I've got a couple of beautiful scars to uh, rave about street crap. but um, yeah this is the one <laughs> and uh, scars man Chasty scars hmm. but uh, yeah it's been the journey and I'm back now and uh, um, we're back doing workshops and uh, life goes on. Apparently, I've got 15 or 20 years in me. So, you know, a lot more knives to make. Yeah, good yeah, stuff. Good, good on stuff. you, mate. Well, I'll say cheers to that, mate. Cheers, cheers guys. Barry. Thank you. Cheers, man. Good to see that you kicked it. And <laughs> chipped out was lost. Huh? Someone asked, how's the new forge? And I'll just cover that real quick. Because uh, a lot of the community put their hands in their pockets and threw in a few bob, a few bob and um, they put together to get Barry a much-needed new forge while he was off. Unfortunately, the guy tasked to make it slipped with the angle grinder and cut through a tendon on his thumb, and um, it got held up a little bit. So the new forge is being delivered to us tomorrow, and it'll be down to Baz's uh, next week. But, you know, shit happens. But anyway, it's, it's all done, and we'll get that solved. So, yeah. Does, does that mean there's... Does that mean there's another contender for the one and a half thumbs up club? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was pretty special. We had to have an operation, have it all uh, put back together again. So, yeah. Uh, hold I my beer. Hold my beer with the four thumbs. <laughs> so, anyway, you're back, Baz. Oh, but you've been in the knife making scene in Australia for a lot of years, not just the seven years you've been at, at Seppelsfield. Um, do you want to give people a bit of a background? Like, where are you from originally? Uh, originally, I was uh, well. I was born in New Zealand. Um, came over here when I was about 21. Um, been in South Australia all that time. Um, how I got into start playing around with knives was about 1995. I uh, I used to collect shotguns, and I went to a gun show, and there was a guy there that. Um, had some guns on the table and at the end of his table we had half a dozen knives and i looked at it and i thought gee they look better than the factory knife i said uh, where'd you get those and he said i made those and i said oh bullshit who makes knives um that was a saturday on the sunday i had to go out making my own knife but i, I had yeah, absolutely no idea no tools uh and that that guy uh, was a guy called john creedy from Crusader Blades. And uh what what year I was said, this? What year was this? Just about ninety-five. Right. Uh so I said to him, look, how, do you want to teach me? And he, he he said yes and uh he lived quite a distance from where I was. So um he put me on to a guy called uh, Steve Dawson. And uh I I bugged this guy every uh you know, every weekend 
for a year or two and we, you know, we became friends and stuff like that. And that just progressed um, uh, on and on. And um, I remember that the, uh, the weekend after that gun show that I first went to, I was working for a council at that, that, that stage doing road construction. And I remember going into the lunchroom and I said to the guys there, there's about 15 guys there, I said, I'm going to be a, a, a full-time knife maker one day. Well, you can imagine what they call me and, you know, complaint and process. Um, and, you know, I sort of looked back because some of those guys are still on the council. And uh, with my partner and I, we're, Amanda, we're uh, pretty proud of where we come. It's been a pretty hard road. We, uh, we used to do a lot of the markets around Adelaide. Um, we ended up doing the Sterling market quite a lot, which was a benchmark of markets. And then um, in between then, we were, you know, I was planting houses, driving limos on the weekend. I'd go home about six at night from painting. We'd have tea, go out and shed, make knives till midnight, just to get knives ready for the um, the markets. And, uh, and then just one day, about eight years ago, a lady came along with a clipboard and uh, she said, oh, you know, I'd like your staff, would you like to go any further? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, no worries. And then it turned out that she was like a, a scout, I suppose, for what they call a jam factory over here, which is a artist's um, hub. Uh, it's been around 40 years or more. And uh, anyway, we took the chance and uh, we've been out there seven and a half years now. And, um, We've been doing workshops for about six of those years. Um, I only went out there to have peace and quiet. And uh, now it's just gone, just gone bunter now. You know, we, uh, like last year we did 240 workshops, I think. Year wow. before that was about 220. That's madness. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it shows me and others that the, um, the interest now is just ballistic it's, it's just there's oh, so, yeah, many, sure. so many people yeah. want to learn and uh, with it with the workshops you know we get mothers and daughters fathers and sons priests police high court judges brain surgeons plumbers and these are just people who want to come and do something with their hands again and um you know knife making in australia is pretty healthy um yeah absolutely yeah and uh, we love what what i what we do and uh I don't see myself stopping, so uh, see what happens. No, good on you, Baz. It, it, yeah, that's it's pretty <laughs> sad that you got Anthony Kittle into it, though, isn't it? Look at that. It is. Oh. <laughs> yeah, if we could, if we could go back in time, I reckon that's one thing we'd change. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, would you go back and kill Hitler? Would you go back and stop the uh, JFK shooting? Nah, mate. I just go back and tell Anthony Kittle turn right instead of left. Yeah. <laughs> Good evening, Anthony. Good to see you. Oh, Anthony's on. Oh, you saw him. Look at that. Yeah, How are you, brother? Yeah. Hey, um, Baz, whereabouts are you from in New Zealand? Uh, I was born in a place uh, called Tokoroa, which is uh, just uh, south of Auckland. And I spent a bit of time on Waiheke Island and uh, um, travelling around New Zealand, jumping on and off trains and shit like that in Nigeria. I was about that age when I was hitchhiking around New Zealand. It was fantastic. 
Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Go back every now and again, see my daughters, but not as often as I'd like. Yeah, no, fair what enough. What drew you to go to what drew you to go to South Australia first? Um Well, it's just a little country town, just like New Zealand. <laughs> well, it, well it kind of is actually. <laughs> the reason I decided to come to Australia was that I was yeah, it's the old story of the wrong crowd and shit like that. But it was a I I distinctively remember it was a Wednesday and I was working in a lighting shop. I was in the lunchroom and I was reading about uh, King's Cross. That was on Wednesday. And Thursday, uh, yeah, Wednesday I was reading about King's Cross and I thought, oh, you know, I wouldn't mind going there. Thursday was payday. Friday lunchtime I was in Sydney. And <laughs> walk, uh, walking up and down the Sat- Saturday you, you're in King's Cross and broke. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Adelaide, actually. But happy. <laughs> um, the, uh, you know, I walked down across, went to a couple of pubs, had a beer, said to some guy, where's a good place to go in uh, in uh, Australia? And he said, oh, Adelaide's a nice place. So uh, I jumped on a Greyhound bus the next day and uh, here I am. No regrets. Yeah, good on you. No regrets. No, good yeah, times. that's mate. awesome. I like Adelaide. I've got I've got family over in Adelaide, and I've spent a lot of my youth, uh, big Christmas holidays and stuff, hanging out with the various aunts and uncles and grandma and stuff over there. So I've got a soft spot for Adelaide. I like the place. It's a quaint place. Yeah. Right. Oh, no, that's good, mate. Wow. What a like I said. That's nice. Sort of jet setting across and starting up. And like I said, things are going well now. You got your health back in shape, hopefully. Yes. Um, yep. You got to just keep control of these bloody. Make sure you don't overdo it for the first part, anyway. I'm sure yeah, no, I'm not that, telling you anything your doctors haven't. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. And uh, you know, it's a you have a bit of a scare like that, and it's, it sets you back, and you gives you time to think and um, ponder things. And uh, you know, we're doing that at the moment, and uh, we'll keep our workshops going for now. Um, but yeah, it's know. good that you got the business. It's good that you got the business coming in, actually. Yes, yeah, and uh, as I was saying, Corin, before you know, we're booked out to May or June now. Um, it's just ridiculous, and it comes back to saying that knife knife making as an interest is just so healthy, Australia wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. globally, yeah, for sure, globally. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm in the same boat. I've had to I've had to cancel some courses because of the coronavirus thing and I run the I run the workshops from home so with my family's interest at heart I've had to postpone a few courses but there's no lack of interest like I've, I'm taking bookings uh yeah I'm in like January already now and I, I purposely tried to slow down a little bit and you know with this bloody back business going on I'm, I'm being honest with people I'm just saying look you know I've got a dodgy back which I'm getting checked out later in the month Kind of, I kind of know what's wrong with it, but I want to see what I've got to get to fix it. Um, so, you know, worst case, book in now, and I'll be pretty honest with you if it comes around to it and I can't do it. But, yeah. the, you know, the last week's been good. I'm on. Someone asked me before, I can't remember who it was, what's with the water? Um, when you guys were all tasting, I was drinking my water. Um, I've taken some new medication that's <clears throat> supposed to dull nerve pain, which is what I have. But I'll tell you what, 
I just want it doesn't work well with alcohol. <laughs> and just want I just need to go to sleep once I take it. So uh especially with alcohol. Like I found the first few nights I was like, I'll have I'll have a glass of red, it doesn't matter. And yeah, I had the glass of red and pop me a little pill. And then about twenty minutes later I'm like <laughs> zombie to the bedroom. Uh so I'm I'm taking advice now from the label that says avoid alcohol. <laughs> It's not good. So that should be for about two weeks, then I'll be back onto it. Ah, fair enough. Yeah. So where you're from in New Zealand, it's like a rural area or like a, were you on a farm or like, what was it like? Uh, <clears throat> how did it, how did your childhood involve knives? That's what I'm cutting to, Barry. <laughs> um. I had a pretty interesting uh, upbringing, I guess. Um, I didn't really know my parents, so I was I was, uh, I was made a ward of the state. And uh, one thing led to another. I had my first tattoo at eight, uh, and things progressed from there. Um, because I was uh, unruly. Um, so to speak, I spent a lot of time in boys' homes and uh, foster homes, and uh, so I don't actually have um, any set childhood stories that I can tell. Um, obviously, boys' homes and, and foster homes are, are spread out all over the place. So um, in the boys' home, they uh, they created a good work ethic in people, um, but yeah, you know, one of the one of the nice things about coming to Australia is that uh, I think I was here in Adelaide for about oh, three weeks, and I came across a skin specialist that uh, was looking for a guinea pig on tattoo removal, and uh, I had quite a few on my fingers, arms, neck, and hip. And uh, and uh, he thought I was a perfect candidate. And uh, I think three weeks later, I was uh, tattoo free. And yeah, wow. Yeah, it was, uh, they took the skin off my legs, swapped it for the skin on my arms. And uh, I've got some very faint scars now. Um, that's about it. So, you know, I'm all, I'll always be grateful for my move to Australia. Um, yeah, nice. I've been here, you know, 43 years now, and, uh, yeah. Right. No, good, man. Cool. So, do you remember your what? first knife? <laughs> I still got it. Yeah, what you is ugly. ugly as fuck. Um, <laughs> it, it's a drop point gut hook skinner, and, uh, for a first knife, it was pretty ambitious. Um, it's pretty ugly. You know, I'm not going to... No, it's all right. It's got a gut hook. It goes without saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is really... Anyway, I have it I have it in my workshop, and I show the workshop students that come in. And, uh, um, yeah, I think that makes them feel good once they see that. They know that they're doing all right. And, uh, it's a funny, it's a funny thing though when you teach, isn't it? And you've had all those years to progress your skills, 
then you start teaching people and what they're making is where you were at like oh. five years in after a lot of mistakes they're making that first up going away and then they send you back going oh i made another knife after the class baz or kev yeah and you look at what they're making you're like yeah bugger yep. me <laughs> like, holy shit <laughs> and there's so many talented uh, younger talented people out there now coming through making yeah. outstanding stuff oh, yeah, yeah unbelievable that's besides besides the talent all the information is out there now so it's not just a talent i'm sure we were all talented when we started but now when you want to start making all the information is out there from heat treating to to grinding for what materials to buy and corin was telling like how he was doing trial and error with the steels and mm. what was available versus now what's available it's a totally different game someone who's starting right now with the one year experience is probably doing better than a guy who started five years ago yeah 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 no doubt no doubt yeah there was there was a couple of questions that came in from the listeners there one was from ma hood ma's a, a very well recognized glass artist in the glass industry and so he's saying do they have a mix-up of uh artists now at the jam factory they had a big glass division can you tell us about the different artists that are at the jam factory now kev um uh, um fuck it barry sorry this <laughs> Sure. The, the last no, option. I can't. Last I option. can't tell you. I'll pass it to. I'll pass it to Mert. He'll pass it to Baz. All right, yeah. Mark, hey, uh, Mark and everybody. The uh, the jam factory is a. Um, it's a. It happened just after I, I, right. I think it was going just before I came to Australia, and it was down in Adelaide, and it, it is still there. What it, what it was. It, it used to be actually jam factory on Paynham Road, and they used to make jam and shit like that. I wondered, and, I did um, wonder why they called it a jam factory, so I'll just put that out there. Yeah, I, yeah. I was going to say I was I was a bit naive, and I thought it might have had to do with jam. Yeah, like the edible jam. <laughs> I'll, I'll get to that. The, uh, <laughs> so what happened is a group of artists back then decided to buy the building. So they bought the building and they kept the name Jam Factory, um, and it's it's actually quite a famous and well-known um, institution. So anyway, what they've done now is they, I'm part of the building I'm in was built in 1845 or something, which is part of the Sipplesfield Winery. The Jam Factory leased the building. I pay rent to them for my my space. So what we have there, we have uh, a glass artist. We have a milliner who makes hats. We have leather workers that make bags, shoes, belts, you name it. We have jewelers that make uh, recycled jewelry. Um, and we have two uh, potters, ladies that do pottery. Um, and, and then just down on one layer from that, we have a gallery. And we can all have our uh, what we make either in the gallery or the people actually come through the gallery up into our studios and they can see the uh, they can see me making knives um, they can see the students making knives or they can go and see the lady making hats or the potters making pottery um, and you know I, 
I guess the good thing for us is that where I'm situated, I've got two odd faces where the public come in. So everybody has to come past my door to come into the winery. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I think we get about 240,000 people a year just wow. into the property. Wow. So, you know, when they say position, position, it's pretty good. Corin, you've seen where yeah, we are. Yeah, it's magnificent. Yeah, and the, uh, the tour buses come through and it's, yeah, something else. So the numbers and the numbers are growing. And I think with all this COVID stuff at the moment, that uh, will grow a bit more. People want, will want to hang around the estates a bit more. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, just got a nice there, buddy, is it? No, cool. We've got a comment oh. there from Doug Lass. He says he visited the jam factory on a Barossa, um, Barossa Valley holiday in 2013. Met you four years before he started making knives with Forge Through, which uh, are veterans working together to make knives. Uh, we walked walked out of Baz's shop and I was uh, saying it was a pity I couldn't do one of his courses. And then we've got another comment from uh, Julianne, who is Doug Lass's lovely wife, who says uh, they watched um, Baz at Seppelsfield watch for ages and um, the Doug, Doug said, I want to learn to do that one day. And of course, Doug's gone on to do that. So, you know, there's quite a lot of people out there. It's not just Anthony Kittle. G'day, Anthony. Um, it's, there's a whole bunch of people out there that you've brought into, into the fold of knife making. So yeah, big kudos there. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you. Um, as I said, it's a healthy uh, environment and uh, for one of the enjoyments for me is, the people that you meet and as i said you know mothers and daughters father and son I've got colonels in the army that are now making knives as a hobby um a queen's council who's making knives as a hobby um you know so many people and i've met some wonderful people who have gone on um to become pretty good knife makers they are like ali bastian and, um ryan dowdle and, you know i've met some some of the the guys that I met when I first started that I still ask questions of, like Peter Ball. And, um, people are so free with their knowledge um, and, and are very, very encouraging to people that, you know, for people in our situation, it's quite easy to go, oh, I don't know if I can get a book or something like that, where for me, I'd rather take the time and talk to somebody um, or show them how to do something, um, even if it does create a monster like Anthony Kidder. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, I try I try not I just try not to answer the phone when Anthony rings, but you know. No. He joined <laughs> if, uh, he answer, if, I, Anthony... if I answer the phone with him, it's like an hour's conversation about Sometimes about knife making, most of the time just about we just lab shit together, which is just as good. <laughs> did you see? Did you see on Facebook Anthony Kittle joined Team Die Filer this month? As, oh, and so did Jamie. So did Sausage Man. So did Jamie. Yeah, Team Die Filer. Yeah, I'm not sure that's a good team to be a part of. It's it's like hepatitis; it keeps growing. <laughs> <laughs> They they just make fun of me and mock me, Barry, because they fear my beauty. 
No, because you keep hoarding fucking tools. What do I do? Hoarding tools, Corin. What do I do? You hoard hoarding you tools. Keep... Exactly. Sorry, I'm, I'm just busy at the minute. Just give me a minute. Oh God. Oh, sorry, bankers. Huh? <laughs> hey, what's that say? Yeah, fuck you. Right now, yeah, what can't we got? Read. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a knife maker. I can't read. <laughs> All right, so where were we? This is a serious interview. Ask a I question, think, I Kev. Think someone's, I think someone was just about to miss out on having a drink. Me? No, when you didn't say barrel knife. <laughs> no, too late, you did. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, fair enough. Um, Kev, ask a question. Make yourself useful. Oh, okay. Well, who... Um, you were talking about, Baz the variety of people that you've been able to meet through the teaching side of knife making and you, you much like me um, would have thought, you know, many years ago, I'll never meet and speak and become friends with, you know, a doctor or a lawyer or all these other people. Who's the, per like, I, probably a hard question to answer maybe, but who's the sort of person that you've met that's, you know, you've just connected with the best out of everyone maybe. Is there anyone that stands out in your mind that had the most profound impact on you after your teaching engagement? Uh, I'm hitting you with a tough one, mate. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I, I remember I used to do the what they call the medieval fair. Yep. Um, you know, people used to dress up as knights. And, and uh, I, I had a stall there one time and... and and this guy came over, he's freaking monster, he was he. I, I remember watching him out of the corner of my eye, he was looking at me all the time. Uh, and anyway, the people that I talked to, they, they all pissed off, and this guy came over and uh, he said, I'd be interested in learning to make knives. Do you do that? And uh, I said, Yeah, I can do that. What's your name? He said, It's Ryan Dowdle. And Ryan and I have been friends now, good friends, I know, eight, nine years. Um, he's battled hard, he's worked hard, and he's now at the stage of, of doing hammer-ins, uh, workshops, um, and making some great uh, camping, hunting style knives. And it's, it's been a bit of a pleasure to watch Ryan develop. Um, and, he, you know, he's a pretty decent type bloke too. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, it's, there's numerous people out there. Um, can, I, I, can, I just, I can I just jump on the bandwagon with Ryan and just say if, if ever there was a guy that uh, wears his heart on his sleeve and puts his soul into everything he does... That's Ryan. Um, if you need a hand, he's he's not only the first one to put up his hand, but his hand's outstretched. You know what I'm yeah. saying? The guy is yeah. the guy's phenomenal. So yeah, much respect. We, totally agree. We have a, we him. have a bit of a chat every now and then because yep. my son played uh, junior rugby and rep rugby here in the ACT and rugby union on the eastern side of the country is pretty well known and in South Australia. 
it's not a it's not a big thing. So when you're into rugby there, you're in a small group of people. And Ryan and I talk quite a lot about um, the rugby side of stuff because he was coaching his son's rugby team and his son's, from all accounts, unfortunately with this bloody COVID thing, it's put a stop on a lot of young talented sports people, but his, um, his son's doing really well in the rugby scene over there. So might be, <laughs> might be a little force to watch out for in the future. So Ryan and I talk about, although we do talk about knife making stuff and his hammer-ins and whatever, um, we generally fall back onto the the rugby conversations and the fact that all his spare time goes into, you know, well, prior to the lockdowns and everything, getting his son to play all these rep games around the country and whatnot. So, yeah, real nice bloke. Lovely guy, lovely guy. And, you know, there's there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, probably too many to just think about at the minute, yeah. uh, that are out there actually making knives now and making some fantastic stuff. Mm. Um, you know, some of the guys I'm pretty in awe of, because you know, they've been doing it for a, a very short time, and the, the workmanship is just outstanding. Yeah, phenomenal. Matt? Hey, I want to ask you a question about a certain fella that came to your shop. So I look at your page, I see I see Damascus knives, I'm like, yeah, he made another kitchen knife. Uh, there's another kitchen knife, another course he did. Yeah, that's good. But one day I look at your page and what I see is a Marco fucking Pierre White in yep. your shop. So for yep. those people who don't know, Marco Pierre Marco Pierre White is the is like the grandfather of the British cuisine. And at one stage he owned three Michelin stars. And this cranky bastard would end up training Gordon Ramsay and made Gordon Ramsay cry <laughs> in his kitchen. He says to Michelin, he says to Michelin, like, who is the biggest, who is the biggest thing that gives the stars and all, all that? He tells Michelin, I know more about food than you guys can ever imagine. Take these stars, shove in your ass. So he says, take my, take my fucking stars. You are not in a position to judge me. What I know about cooking and food, fuck you. So, and what I see is Marco Pierre White, one of the renegades in the kitchen, and right next to him is Baza, giving him the knife that he made for him, I think. Can you tell me about that? Um, I have to tell you that he was one of the most humble, um, and nicest guys that I've met. Um, he was he was in South Australia for Tasting Australia, I think, and uh, he had a fairly large entourage with him. But I was lucky enough to have you know half an hour and have a beer and a cigarette and have a chat to him, and he was telling me about his boys in England and his house, um, and exactly what you just said, Matt. Uh, he, uh, to him, cooking was all about giving people an experience, not making it uh, look flash or it had to taste like food. And uh, that was about two years ago, I think he was there. Um, yeah. And it was a good day for me because he bought about seven knives and uh, um, for his friends and family and, and uh um, the people that, that come in the workshop and in my workshop I have like a brag wall 
So I've, I've got people on that come in. He's one of them. And people come in and go, oh, what's he up there for? And I tell him, you know, he said to me, if, if Australia or if people want to pay him a million dollars to be an arsehole on TV, he will. Because he benefits uh, financially from that. And so does his family. And, you know, they, they have a good life. Um, but he was just one of the kindest, most gentle. Um, I watched him talking to people just walking past and he didn't mind at all. He just told his entourage just to chill out. I want to have a chat. And he did. And, uh, um, it was a good experience and, uh, yeah. Well, I bet if you were working for him 20, 30 years ago, you wouldn't say that. You'll probably yeah. say things. He's the crankiest <laughs> <guy> ever. <laughs> but for me, the experience this time was good. And, yeah, very Perfect nice. Perfect timing. Perfect yeah. timing, mate. Well done. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, nice. Um, Stan Stanley's just put up a question. Baz, um, for your social media, what do you have? Uh, I have Instagram, uh, Garden of Knives, and a, a website. And we have a Facebook page for all our, uh, our workshop people um, that come in. Yeah. So Garden of Knives is your Instagram? Yes. Yeah. And I have, to say, thank, I have to say thank you, mate, because I know we're all busy in this world, but I think nearly on every single post that I've seen of most knife makers around, um, there's always a few stars and a couple of thumbs up from you, mate, or a quick, quick looks good word on there. So it's nice to see that encouragement going out to people. A lot of people just double tap on Instagram and see the love heart come up and move on from there. But it's nice to actually get that little bit of interaction from people. And it's, it's good to see. So good on you for that. Yeah. Thank you. And, no, and, and, your, and all your support um, over the years, like the messages that come through before the knife shows, wishing people well and all the rest of it. Yeah. You know, every one absolutely. of them, sometimes we're in such a rush, we mightn't reply, but everyone means something. So don't think they've ever, they, they ever go under the radar. That's for sure. Yeah. It's appreciated, Barry. There was, there was, a, there was a fella, there was a fella in a, in a Perth show and he was a fellow knife maker and you have, you apparently told him that saying that the check on my table. So I appreciate that. I've always been a good, uh, oh, um, it's inspiring stuff inspiring stuff so tell us a bit about your Thanks. style mate you know we've talked about kitchen knives is that what you do mainly these days or and and what sort damascus what are you doing tell people that 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 don't follow you uh okay i i do i tend to make kitchen knives because when i started out it seemed to be the popular knife to make I've always been a uh, uh, a fan of the, the old Loveless Drop Point. In fact, I think my second knife was a Loveless Drop Point, and uh, which I sent to um, Keith Spencer in Perth many years ago. Um, and I think he sent me a message back saying, fucking start again. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the, uh, oh, nice. <laughs> I do like to make hunting knives. Um, small Scandi style hunting knives with a full grind. 
Um, I do like to make um, kitchen knives. It was, I'm starting to do a lot more mosaic masters now. Um, uh, I've always been inspired by that. And yeah, I don't take this the wrong way, but I've not always been a team player. So I like to work on my own and do my own thing. And uh, I, many years ago, I went and spent some time with Steve Felicetti oh, in yeah. Queensland. And uh, I was blown away by the stuff he was making back then. This is uh, 15 years ago. And I never had the equipment or, or the know-how to do it. Um, just that over the years, I've nibbled away at things. I've, I've researched. Uh, spent a fair bit of time with Ali Bastian. Um, we probably chat a couple times a week, every week. Um, there's there's young guys coming through now, as I said earlier, that are making wonderful stuff. And they're inspiring, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I do love to make the master steel. Um, I've uh, got a couple of Bowie's on the go at the moment, which is something new for me. Um, but I just need to get the Bowie's out of my system, and that's it. And then I get back to, you know. Um, sorry, Baz, I've got to cut in, mate. You've pronounced that They're not Bowie knives. They're booby knives. Isn't that right, man? <laughs> 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 that's, that's what a handsome Seth African friend Fan calls it. <laughs> well, Henning, Henning, yeah, Henning we, we have, we've, we've had Henning infiltrate our show a few times. Yeah. And between Mert, between Mert, Henning, and myself, we end up with three different ways of saying Bowie, Bowie, Booby. <laughs> so, I just yeah. need to get them out of my system. That's it. Well, in that, don't look at Ali Bastion for freaking oh. inspiration there, mate, or you'll never get him out of your system. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's a prick like that. So, he is, <laughs> and I. But I've, I actually made a blade about eighteen months ago, and it's it's sitting in my workshop. I've just been just been waiting for that right handle, and uh, I've, I've been chatting with a guy um, Spencer Applin, um, and he sent me over a piece of um, walrus tusk. And it is just the perfect piece for this Bowie, Bowie, Booby. and uh, I'm yeah, Booby. So I'm looking forward to finally putting this together, and uh, hopefully you'll see it soon. Yeah, I've got to say I'm the opposite of you, mate. I've had this piece of walrus uh, tusk sitting around here for about the last four years. I've got to get around to making the right steel yeah. to put on the bloody handle material. I've got a whole um, yeah, box of shit that back. I've never got good enough to use. <laughs> well, you're only using one knife in bloody year, mate. I know it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you made the knife. Just move on. Carry on. We you got, made the knife for yeah. a year. Just move on, man. We got to. We got to. Didn't we think got... you were here to talk about knives, aren't, aren't you? Here to talk about sponsor posts or some shit? Yeah, we've yeah. got. We've got a word from our sponsor. I just want to know if you can hear this. Very sad. Very sad that you can't hear that because. That just fucks the whole thing. Let me figure that out. Wait me a second. Um, Corin, uh, Andrew was saying, play it on your phone into your microphone. Oh, fuck. Why don't I have that kind of brain shit going on? 
Because this is the shittiest podcast in Australia, if not the world. With the best <laughs> fucking content. How about that? Yeah, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. You and the best can, guest. You can, yeah, well, we've got a guest sitting in the in the background. He'll have to wait until I can figure out how to play a song into my microphone and how to get it from he's the in, computer onto he's the He's in phone. the queue. He's in the queue. Uh, it's all right. Hey, he now, Baz. He mind. He's having a glass of milk. Keep going, Baz. We've got the question that all bearded people are wondering, how many times have you lost a uh, decent length of that uh, <laughs> that beard of yours, mate? <laughs> yeah, once a week. Once a week. Once a week. <laughs> yeah, once a week. It's, uh, I'm getting to the stage now. It's a day-to-day proposition. It'll probably just go any day now. No, no. you got to keep it. The iconic. Mate, the iconic mate, hang on, beard, hang mate. on to it. In, in December, you can't play Santa with that beard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, in December in Adelaide, in December in Adelaide, when it's 45 degrees, I don't think anyone <laughs> wants to do up with Santa. <laughs> yeah, that can be tricky. Yeah. So um, we'll just have. Oh, I was just having to put another peek at your um, garden and knives Instagram, mate, and it's got a couple of your um, your Scandi style hunting knives and stuff on there, and some of your mosaic Damascus that you've been working on. So anyone that wants to get on and have a look at Baz's work, if you're not already on there, it's garden and knives one word. So G A R D N E R knives, all one word. Jump on board. And there's a particular one, mate. I don't know if it's going to come up. No, my phone. I'm pretty sure with that direction. No, it's your little um, sort of that Scandinavian style with the burl handle, little mosaic bar sort of stuff. Very nice. Oh, yeah. Yep. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. I previous, not... previously liked it. Oh, there you go. And there you've got. Um... Oh, here we go. You ready? Is this, the, is this the intro to our... talking about uh we're just gonna have a quick word from our sponsor gamaco artisan supplies and our new audio editor who um was delegated to task this week because i'm three episodes behind timmy oh timmy g'day everybody did you know we stock kydex oh wowie did you know did you know that we also stock galso bolts no, but what, it gets better. What are Galso bolts? What are Galso bolts? It gets better, guys. It gets Timmy's got some color in his milk again. Oh, I don't know what he's got in his milk. Do you guys have the right color uh, Kydex? Yeah, we've got gray. Yeah, we've got every color it's if you want gray. gray. Yep. Actually, we've run out of gray. We've got a palette of gray coming down from Queensland where we hit it when we bought too much. Never mind. Keep going, Timmy. Don't let us put you off, Timmy. Oh, he muted himself. Yeah, he's fucked. Oh. I'll unmute him. Yeah, unmute yourself. I did it. There it's we done. go. You muted oh, me. Okay. 
Okay. What? It gets better though. It gets it gets better. We had a hundred pack of cut off discs. We've now split them down into twenty five packs. So you can you can get a good off good old cut off disc. Yes we do. <laughs> New to Game Co. Art of the Flies, we now stock die filers. Did you know Corin? Die file of fire die filers or die file of You're not fire? selling mine. Nah, nah, yours is supposed to go. We have leather scissors, and I did a I did a really good post on these today. Did it you have should, pants uh, on? Go check that out. Did it have pants on? Yeah, I. It had pants on. We got into trouble. Everyone had pants on. We didn't realize that someone in one of our memes didn't have pants on, but we got we got that fixed up. <laughs> have, yeah, have, I've got to go. Let's go back to that for two seconds. How pathetic are people? That was a funny meme, and what do people pick out of a funny meme? The fact that the cartoon mum apparently allegedly didn't have pants on. Well, two minutes in Microsoft Paint and Timmy had painted some pants on. What a We're job. all good again. What a, jo- <laughs> what a job he did too. Blue's my favourite <laughs> colour for milk. <laughs> I'm an artist. I'm, an, I'm a true artist. Oh, dear. What else what do we have? What other sales do you have? Yeah, come on. Oh, let's go. Stabilised oh, timber. 52-100. Stuffing wheels and compounds. 52-100. Timmy, Timmy, talk about the integral material 52-100, which I placed a ton of order today. Good. Well, Matt, we've got a bunch of new bearings, and they're not new, but they are 52-100. Or pretty, and they're, pretty they're close. We had them spectro. We enough. got certs. Yep. If you want they're the stats, very, very, very close. Stats. What else do we have? I don't know. Shit. We have knife flanks. Sup nine, RTZ wash coat, mild steel. Yeah, whatever. Okay, that's enough of fucking advertising. That's a word from our sponsor. Thank you, Timmy. Time. Enjoy your milk. And, um, love uh, you all. And we love oh, you. We love you too, Timmy. But not in a not in a Chris. Uh, what's his name? Craig uh, kind of way. Nah. Just in a normal kind of way. Right. This is for you, Timmy. There, word from our sponsor. How professional was that? All right, moving right along. <laughs> As Cole's put on there, 52-100 Asterix bearings. Yeah, that's the ones. That's the chemical the ones. composition is very, very, very close. Actually, probably even better. No, actually, it, it, falls in this, it falls in the specs. So when you look at it, the carbon is slightly low, but it still falls in the specs of the 52100. Yeah, 0.005 lower or something like that. So still 0.9% carbon. I got after, after, so I made the integral out of them. And after quenching and two hours of tampering, I still got 65 and a half uh, rock valve. Oh, so you were in on this before everyone else? Yeah, motherfucker. Hey, can (laughs) you get a hamon out of it or what? Well, that's top secret, my friend. Yeah. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in space, that episode where we recorded the the way to get fifty two one hundred hamons is out there, and it's going to come out one day, Mert, when you least expect it. It's like it's like Blackjack singing tribute. The tribute it's not to the, the greatest best song, but it's not the greatest song. That greatest was the song. greatest podcast in the world, but it's gone. So we're just like giving it a tribute now. Well, we're the fucking greatest podcast. So, in terms of knife making, so all right. So let's uh, talk so we... some shit that's actually worth talking about. 
Baz's, Baz's fucking mosaic Damascus. Have you checked it out? No? Yeah. I would have thought you were leading into something there. No, no, no. I was asking you a question. That's why it sort of lended with that inflection at the end. Like, have you checked it out? Was like a question. Yes. yes. I have checked it out. And I liked when Baz... There's one in particular I liked, Baz really, really liked, was... Um, God, you haven't given it a name, but it was bloody... Good. Oh, now I've lost it. I'll find it and put yeah. it on the screen. That one. I'll get yeah, that, that was on the fun. Screen. That one was absolutely... Corin to put it up on the screen. There's three pieces... And made a chef knife out of with a white handle. Of course, all that the people, awesome, all the man. people that aren't watching on a knife making down under on Facebook, uh, you should join up there and watch every Thursday night. You'll be able to see the stuff we're talking about when we, uh, when we're talking about stuff, garden and knives. And I'm, I'm just doing my best here to spell that wrong. Bear with me. He's uh, the ugly mug right there. Oh, sorry, that came out loud. Because I like, I like the fact that. Um, I find a lot of the mosaic stuff these days, and this is just my personal opinion, and Anthony Kittle will have a good laugh about this, it almost becomes too complex and too intricate and too, for, like, you just get lost in it, whereas it keeps scrolling down, Corin, that one right there in the middle there, and then if you go back out and go to the knife on the left of that, that just really bold pattern there, just that just really struck uh, that, that side of me. I really like that one. Magnificent, yeah, yeah, just, uh, yeah, just basically two tiles, isn't it? But it just, um, just works so well. What's that handle, Barry? Whale? Just, oh, well, uh, I won't, I won't. Yeah, we better say it for the podcast. Whale jaw. whale jaw, that one. Whale jaw. Yeah. I won't ask where you got that from because it doesn't exactly grow on trees. I was about to say it looks like a usik. You guys know yeah, what that one is? Very similar. That's a very penis similar. bone. <clears throat> yeah, very similar. That's such a such a such a dick move, Corin. What? Such a dick move. What? <laughs> it's a dick. Oh, it's a dick move. Nice. I tell you oh, what, this this yeah. shit has got a bit of a kick to it. I'm feeling a bit. I'm I'm feeling that. Yeah. Well, you'll be feeling it tomorrow morning too, won't you? Ah, uh, yeah. I got an important call tomorrow morning. <laughs> anyway, so last, last week, guys, Alcoholics Anonymous. Apparently, last week I had a little bit too much of whiskey, so I woke up. Hashtag hangover as fuck Friday, recovering oh, yeah. slowly Saturday, and oh, I really need a rest on Sunday. And I end up like drinking maybe like a five or six total drinks whole week, but it's okay. I'm making up for the whole. I'm making up for it now. Yeah, till tomorrow, and then you're going to have another week off the alcohol. Works out well. That's the bottle I started last episode, so I'm still doing good. This is the bottle I started earlier. Is that Vindex? Is it what you make your blades with? <laughs> Neutralize. Neutralize. All right. It's Happy like days. a bleach for the inside. <laughs> so, Barry, what... Um... Let's talk a bit about, we've sort of heard about where you started and, and your influences. We've heard a bit about uh, um, sort of where you're at, uh, you know, at Seppel's Field and what you're making at the moment. Um, 
where do you want to be in five years? You still want to be doing the thing with Sepplesfield? Is that is that where it's at for you, or have you got some plans, or uh, have you got any anything you want to be making that you're not making at the moment? Something different? Where do you want to? What sort of direction are you going to take? Five years from now, I won't be doing workshops. Um, it is my intention to slow down from workshops and just concentrate on doing custom orders, which we're getting a lot of. Um, I, I think it's probably time to pass on um, to a, a younger guy, uh, what we're doing out there. I'm not sure uh, the jam factory's tenure, I think, finishes in about two and a half years. So I'm giving myself, say, two years to work out what I want to do after scare. No, do I want to take it easy? Do I want to? Uh, well, I do. I want to. I want to just concentrate on custom orders. Um, still encouraging people to to do stuff, and uh, there's there's quite a few people out there now, as I said, like Ryan Dowdle, that's doing workshops, and uh, there's there's lots of places that we can pass people onto, whether it's um, um, you know. Uh, Anybody. There's, there's actually quite a few people which aren't interested in, in doing workshops as, as taking the workshops. Um, personally, it's uh, as I said, five years' time, I, I won't be doing, well, probably two years' time, I won't be doing workshops. Um, I, I quite like the, uh, the idea of, I'll still be making knives. Um, I've had my, my thoughts in the last uh, 12 months of, of maybe putting together a podcast. Um, I uh, quite like the idea of learning to stabilise woods and just smaller things along those lines. Um, who knows, really? Yeah, no, no, that sounds see... like you've got a bit of a plan. Go for it. When, when, you go to doing your own, when you go to doing your own thing, are we likely to see... A um, a Baz flipper with Ali Bastian's influence. <laughs> no, <laughs> they can keep those fiddly things. A Bastian flipper. I have I've made, I've made three folding knives in my life, um, and I was shown how to make them um, by Steve Dawson many years ago. Um, I believe that, um, my stepsister has one. Um, other than that, I don't know where they went. But I, I was only looking the other day at some old pictures. And really, I wouldn't want to show anybody those folders now. Um, particularly when there's, you know, folders like Ali out there and a few of these other things. And, um, I, I, to be honest, I, I don't have the patience to do folding knives. Yeah. Um, give me something solid to work with, fine. Give me finicky stuff and uh, it's just all over the yeah, place. Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. I know how that feels. The attention span's not there. And, but if I can make noise and flames and sparks, I'm happy. Yeah, good day. Happy days. Happy days. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like the day after a good curry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. 
So do you, do you now, like when you're doing your custom work, do you make knives to order or are you just making what you want? Uh, very seldom do I get to make what I want. Um, we've got about, I don't know, um, 40 or 50 current custom orders to do. Um, a lot so of what people... are you doing next week? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, you, when you see some of my knives on Instagram there, they could take a month to make because yeah. I might get half a day and I can make up some billet, put a billet together, then another half a day somewhere else in the week's time where I can manipulate it to where I want it. Um, in between, though, we've got to do our custom orders, um, which I enjoy doing the most. Um, and we're getting um, some pretty high-end places now that are starting to want sets of knives, whether they're high-end steak knives in Damascus or um, which have been fun to do. Um, so, you know, as I said, when, when you see something of mine on there, it takes a little bit of time. Um, depending where the people are in the workshop, I can maybe, um, you know, spend a little bit of time either gluing a handle up or, or doing the grind while they're on one of the other grinders. Um, and, you know, we, uh, we put in a fair effort in our day. We start at six and um, we go through that, that day. And, and before our workshops start at 8.30. Yep. So I give myself, you know, a couple of hours in the morning to grind, harden, put something together, um, carry on with the next order or something like that. So. I can still sneak in something for us every now and again. Um, and where I am in the jam factory, I've got a display sort of cabinet bench. People can, um, you know, I've probably got a dozen knives in there that not only showcases what I do, but it showcases what people who do a workshop can come in and do. Um, so I've got to keep that full or have enough stock in there for people to go, oh, wow, you make knives. How, how can we do it? So it's a bit of a juggling game, you know, sometimes. But uh, love it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, mate. Yeah. Go for it, Kev. Uh, I just had a question, then I just lost it. <laughs> Matt, over to you. <laughs> Quite a few, Corey. I got one. How, how many Serbian chef knife requests have you gotten? That's just sad. That just sad. Yeah, they so, seem to be popular. <clears throat> what are your pet peeves? There you go. That's one of the regular questions we ask. What are your pet peeves in knife making? What in knife making that you see people do and you think, fuck, oh, that's... I wouldn't do that. Uh, 
Yeah, it's a tricky one, that. Um, Serbian chef knives? <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'll, I'll lower the bar pretty freaking low, but there's a limit. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, that's a tricky question. Um, it pisses me off sometimes to see how good some people are. <laughs> that's... Uh, you know, we've got some young guys in Australia at the moment that are just doing outstanding stuff. Um, and they'll only get better. And, you know, in a couple of years' time, it'll be even better come through. Um, just on a, a world scale, the quality of work that's out there now. Um, and when I, when I did start way back, even though... When I first went to the the shows here in um, Adelaide at the Arkaba, there was some fantastic work around then, you know, like um, Peter Del Rosso back then was doing amazing stuff. And then, you know, he's doing better stuff now. There was people like Maureen McCarthy and, and uh, I thought I used to stand in awe of these guys and think, Look at all this stuff. How can they do that? And the, the quality of workmanship now, it's just, it's mind-blowing. It's just, what I, what I do when I make a knife, I have to take a, a little bit of time to do to get it right. I know that well. Don't worry. I know that well. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you see people do something and you go, how the fuck do you do that so well? And, you know, there's, there's, there's people, you know, even, um, who was it? Scott Brook, you know. Oh, yeah. His stuff is just oh, yeah. out there. It's tight, isn't it? And I like, Scott, I, at... I like Scott on a number of levels. He's a train driver, so that resonates with me too. I like that a lot. <laughs> And you just look at his stuff and you go, how the hell do you do that? How do you oh, get it it's, so it's so fucking well, clean though, isn't it? And hours and hours sanding, and it doesn't look anything like that. And um, I had um, uh, John Flurity yeah. uh, yep. called in a couple of times, <clears throat> and he didn't want to show me his work to begin with. Anyway, he, he got it out in the end, showed to me. I'm thinking, you know, you've only made a couple of knives and look at the finish on these things now. And uh, I think he just won an award in Western Australia for Best Small Hunter. He could have done. He could have done. Sensational. Sensational. Um, and you look at, you know, I look in, on, in awe of guys. Even though I've been hanging around for a while, I still get encouragement um, and inspiration from watching these people. Um, and while I, I keep feeling like that, I'll keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah, no, awesome. I couldn't agree more with the new makers either because we got, obviously we deal with new makers all the time and it's, um, uh, you know, some of them are just phenomenal. Like, oh, look at the first knife I made and you look at it and you think, oh, you fucking prick. But anyway, you know, they're good. There's no question about it. You know, I can be Absolutely. jealous. 
Yeah, but we're thinking the the difference, Corin, is we're not thinking, oh, you fucking prick in an anim like in a way where we're putting animosity. Oh. We're like, you fucking prick. How awesome is that? Well, yeah, you might be. No, I'm no, no, I'm not like. That. <laughs> okay, no, I'm lying. <laughs> I'm fucking dick and shit and. I can tell them the dog to fuck off. <laughs> someone's cool knife. Cool I'm trying to find out what Matt Snape's talking about in this comment on our live feed that says great photos on the website, Baz. But what? But why the groves on the hammer handle? And I'm thinking, like, is it an olive grove or what are we talking about? Groves. Oh. Olive grooves. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I think you're on Instagram. Uh, that doesn't slide. Like... It doesn't slide out of your hand. Yep. Slip or slide, yeah. No, fair enough, fair enough. To each their own. I get hot spots pretty easy because I've got office hands, right? Yep. They're nice and soft. I moisturise them twice a day. So, yeah. That's what happens when you make your one fucking knife a year, Corey. <laughs> yeah, with a fucking two and a half inch here, long Here we blade. go, here we go, here we go. Just a minute. <laughs> Just, um... Oh. There we go. Now... Put that to bed. I'm going to find this hammer handle. It's on your website, they tell me. Anyway, keep going. Um, what, do you, what do you find difficult in sourcing with regards to your materials and stuff? Me? Yes. Uh, do, you have any, do you have any problems or you just... Such a well-oiled machine now that it's just never an issue. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah. Uh, uh, my supplier of steel, uh, Gamaco, has a way um, Whenever, yeah, no, look, we've had no problems. We've always been looked after. Well, yeah, there yeah. are times. But anyway, we do our best. And that's got to count yeah. as something. Who's this old codger on your website with the poppy on his lapel? He looks familiar, strangely familiar. And the bird yeah, on yeah. his arm. Get rid of Matt Snape's comment for oh, a moment, Kyle. Yeah, I'll Get try. I'll try. Just give me a minute. There you go. Look at that. And scroll, scroll the photo up a little bit. Up a little bit. All right, I can do that. Oh, that's, that's the guy who killed Princess Diana. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh. I looked like I that on the previous photo was going for a little bit of a grope. The scariest, the scariest person in that room was the guy behind my head. Yeah, oh, I bet. Was who is he? MI or something? Yeah, yeah. Scary man. He was no further than what he is there from them at all times. And there were four other guys spread out around the room. Yeah, yeah. I noticed you didn't get his they, face on the photo. I said to you, don't be like Paul Paul Keating. Don't touch Prince Charles's bum. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Scott so, Broad merchandise with my guy at the pub in Wyala tonight. That's why. Uh, that's why knife making merchandise, t-shirts, knife making down under podcast shirts available from Gamaco. That's why knife making merchandise should be on everyone, because then we know who our friends are. We know our community. Correct. Knife making shirts all the time, every time, no excuses. Yes. 
And uh, Scott Broad's one is Flinders Rangers Knives, too, if anyone's looking. Yeah, yeah. And he's a fucking great guy, top guy. And he's a good train driver, too, apparently. He can come and drive my train set anytime. It's just up the back here, but I don't think he wants to. <laughs> I bet you, I bet you, he bloody would if you asked him. <laughs> my son loved them. My son want to play with them all the time. <laughs> yeah, my son. I bet you left him at home. Yeah. <laughs> Happy days. Uh, speaking of son, my four-legged son, my fucking puppy. <laughs> so. He came into, my dog came into the shed. He's a 10, 10 and a half months old puppy. He came into my shed and he never comes into my shed. And oh, I saw him bolt out of my shed. I'm like, well, I guess he doesn't like the grinder. He pissed off, whatever. I, I'm <clears> going back to the house to, during the lunchtime. And this motherfucker realized he apparently stole a pair of ram horn scales and asshole was chewing on them. By the time I got to it, there was like a one and a half or two inches left of the ram horn scales. The nice one, the thick ones, not the cheapest one. The asshole ate a whole fucking scale set of the ram horn scales. I'll have to give him a commission when I see him. Hey, good on him. I'll sell another set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, um, that out there's the one where I came out to take some photos at the end of the course, and I've got a I got a bench that I'd normally go and place the knives on. And when I went up, one of the guys from the course looks down, he's like, Oh, and he picks up this nice piece of antler with about fucking a third of the end of it chewed off. And I'm like, Oh, you fucker. Nothing, nothing, will, nothing will ever beat you using um, uh, mammoth ivory to cook a pizza, though. That one does win. Yes. That, yeah. I, I staged. Barry, I staged this photo and I upset a whole lot of people because I staged this photo in my pizza oven and I had all these real thin offcuts of shit that you can't use. I'm a, I'm a timber hoarder and I don't throw shit away unnecessarily. But I staged it so it looked like this big blocks of Berlin shit in there and I lit it up and, you know, just out of my scrap box and I'm having a laugh and pissing people off. And then the next day when I went in and I'm getting rid of the um, ashes out of it, I put the pan in. And I'm like, what the hell's that? And I pull out, and there's this probably, I don't know, $50 chunk of mammoth ivory yep. that had been in the bottom of my pan, and I threw it into the fire without realizing. Nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was good. A 15,000 year old scent of uh, mammoth ivory in my pizza. It went down real well. So, so Baz, do you ever use stainless steels? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, Mert wants to tell us a little story about ATP 641 tonight. Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. Yes. We'll, we'll let Mert have so, a bit of the microphone for a second while Kevin and I remember the time we used ATP 641. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so ATP 641. And I've been doing a stainless for a while and I always use the tool, uh, the, the tool, tool wrap the steel tool wrap it like it's a very thin steel tool wrap that you wrap around the stainless blade and you gotta fold it a few times make sure the fold is nice and make sure you don't your blade doesn't pierce through the the tool wrap and you gotta pierce the side anyway it's a it's a mess and 
I only cut myself whenever I fucking trying to fold that stainless tool wrap. So when people say, oh, what's the sharpest steel that can get? My answer is always the fucking stainless tool rack. That's the it's sharpest shit foil. in your shed. Yeah, stainless foil. That's the sharpest shit in your shed. Anyway, I used it for a while, and it was time to buy a new roll, and it was the time of the blade symposium. I went to Gameco bus, uh, the, the, the thing that they brought, and I was talking to Colbert. Cole said, mate, don't buy that tool wrap, stainless foil. Just buy the ATP641. I'm like, yeah, I heard about it. I heard people using that um, that mixture, which is like a compound that you mix it up, you apply it to your blade, and because it covers the whole of your stainless blade, when it goes into your kiln, it stops the decarb, and you don't have to worry about the foil, you don't have to worry about, like, worry about the cutting the end of the foil and all that bullshit. He said, but when you use this shit, you have to really stir it. Because when you open the when you open the lid of the, the jar of the can or whatever that is, there's a little liquid on top. That's not it. You you have to sh- stir the shit out of it. I'm like, yeah, mate, no worries. And I had a bunch of stainless blades. I didn't have to do stainless heat treatment for a real long time. But my orders piled up, and I'm looking. I'm like, oh shit, I need to do stainless heat treatment. So let me just pull the stainless tool. The instead of the tool wrap, let me just put the ATP641 to use, and Corin messaged me, mate, stir the shit out of it. I'm like, okay, Corin, <laughs> I got it. Like, you, you guys keep saying, stir the shit out of it. I get it. I looked at the jar. I'm like, I'm, I'm shaking, shaking, shaking. I'm like, okay. I open, I open it up, and I try to stir with the little paddle stick thing. I'm like, and I try to stir it. It went right through the, the liquid, but in the bottom, there's a sediment. And it just bloop, got stuck in the fucking sediment. I'm like, okay. That doesn't sound good. I took out the old butter knife. I'm trying to stir it, but just like get stuck. And I realized this is not a just, oh, stir, stir the shit out of it, mate. <laughs> I, put my, I put my gloves on, okay? I put double set of gloves. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I need to break this thing down. And I'm thinking, let me just try to do it with my finger. And I just inserted my finger. And this thing feels like a, um, feels like a constipated shit. It's so fucking <laughs> dense and hard. And I realized on, only way for me to make this thing work is I said, okay, let's imagine that I swallow the four carats of diamond and I, 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 I managed to squeeze that shit out and that diamond is in the sediment. So I pulled the sediment out, I left the liquid and I'm squeezing, I'm massaging the old every tiny section of that sediment, making sure I break it down, and also making sure I'm not missing the diamond. I'm breaking it down, I'm breaking it down, I'm mixing it through, I'm breaking it down, breaking it down. I got I got that, that liquid like dripping off my arms and shoulders, like my elbows, and... So I broke all of that thing down, then I start stirring. So, Corin, you need to do you need to you need to change it man when you look at the instructions instructions says oh you gotta you gotta stir the shit up no 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 instructions sh- instructions should say break the old part of it like a constipated shit and then stir the crap out of it till it has the consistency no, of a i just use it i just use yeah. an old fork and it works great but whatever works for you right whatever I works use, i use a small i use one of those small egg whisk things 
as someone earlier was saying, use the small egg beater on and put it into a drill. But if you want to massage poopy, thinking of diamonds, whatever turns you on, buddy, <laughs> whatever works. So I got to drop that. I got to drop that little fella in, into my uh, ATP six eight seven four eight one. Anyway, anyway, that shit works great. After you break it down and you smear it all the way, it works great. <laughs> so, on, so how this all happened, how this started was we got this great stuff in and everyone said how great it was. And Kev and I, Kev was at my place and I said, let's go into Gamaco and knock off a tub because I've got the keys and we'll see if it's any good. So we went on a commando mission full of commando roles, Mission Impossible music, um, sliding down yep. walls, all sorts of stuff. And we stole it. We stole a tub of it from work at about ten o'clock one night. And drove back to Picton. I tailed it. The cops were on our tail, but we got away. And we got away. And I got back, and I got Kev's blade because I didn't want to try it on my own one. And I <laughs> and I stuck my finger in this shit, and I just smeared it on his blade and stuck it in the furnace. Well, you gotta well, play with that shit. You know it now. You gotta squeeze it. But we turned the container around. We, we turned the container around and read the stir this product well, and we're like, eh, be we fine. did your little test. We did, the, we did the finger in the poopy thing, and we're like, oh, that'll do. Just stick that on there. Anyway, and we chucked the damn. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. Damasteel. <laughs> we were using damasteel as well. It wasn't just steel. There were there were damasteel. tears that day. There were tears. <laughs> Anyway, there were, there were how, much, how much decarb you had, Corey? Did you decarb the... I didn't have any, but Kev had oh, heaps on his plate. A lot. But do you know, the, the silver lining of this poo brown ATP641 cloud is that I got to teach um, Corrin how to use his disc grinder. Oh, yeah, that's true too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Because it had so much decarb. I was like, I'll save this. Let's go over and set up the disc grinder and Corrin's like I've never even plugged oh, it I don't in even <laughs> so the two of us learned at that particular time that stir well means stir well not mm. just stick your finger and rub it on there I bought a little battery powered whisk from Ikea and that works pretty good but you've got to break it up with a fork first nah true or your I'll fingers post up a phone that shit, that shit works think. great but I say, don't bother with the second or third layer. If you got a good first layer, let it dry and it works great. Because oh. if you start trying to do the second layer, it ends up like peeling the first layer. And I think I did 13 stainless blades in two days. And I still got like a shit, shit tins of that liquid left. Shit tins. No, you won't have any. It lasts for ages, particularly when you do knives like this big. It lasts forever. It will last you like a seventy-five years, corn. Yeah, I used it on I used it on hammer faces as well. So if I'm making a hammer, I'll put it on the hammer faces. To um. Well. Wow. What steel were oh. you putting it on, Mert? And how thick a layer were you using? So I done two different types of steels. I did a damascus steel. I had like a two bars of damascus steel. I used one up, and the other one was a Takefu Super Gold two. And what I've done is I took a little sponge. Once it's uh, mixed through, I was thinking about using a brush, but I just dipped in a sponge and I just covered it so it looks like a uniform. Uniform, And I flipped it and I heat up a little bit right above my kiln or just put it uh, for a few months 
I put on my uh, tempering oven and they dried up and I made sure my edges and my spine was also covered and that was it. Nice. How hard was it to come off? Oh, one great thing about it is compared to set night. So when I was out of my film, uh, out of my foil, I used set night and set night is a bitch to get it off. But this thing came off so easy compared to set night. So set night comes off very easy at the quench, comes off, but this thing stays on during the quench, and it comes a lot easier compared to set night. So that's one of the that's one of the we, pros about we we get complaints. Thing. We get complaints about it, but the way I do it, and and it's normally a problem in tight corners and tight radiuses where it'll tend to stick. What I do is I stick it on the wire wheel on my um on my grinder, my bench grinder on the wire wheel, and I just rip what it straight off. What do you get? You complaints? The complaints about it doesn't come off, or yeah, yeah, it comes yeah, off yeah. too easy. True. No, it doesn't come off. Doesn't, doesn't come yeah. off. But I use the wire wheel on the grinder, and it comes straight off. That's my that's my pro tip there. But fuck, I'm not a pro. I'm just me. Oh, by the way, um, anyway, Cole says no, the other really important. Anti-compound is thoroughly degrease your blade. That's absolutely true because if you don't... It... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, forgot to say, I washed my blade as if I was applying set night for my hormone. So my blade was completely grease-free. There was nothing on it. It was clean blade. If there's any point, like, you try to apply it and you'll see the, the where your fucking fingerprint is, like, you'll apply it and you'll see your fingerprint that it, can, it tells you, like, no, you haven't cleaned this area. Your blade has to be completely grease and dirt free. There you go. There you go. Anything else on? If you ever, if you ever tried it, Baz. No, I haven't actually. I'm quite interested to hear that. Remind me when I sober up in the morning that I said I'd give you a copy. I give you one. I'm going to send you one down, Baz, and you can give it a go. But stir the shit out of it. You've been told. Just, just take it out with your hands. (laughs) Break it down, mate. Just just massage it down like it's a. Will do. We'll use a fork. Just use a fork. It's fine. <laughs> so anyway, what are your <laughs> tips? Oh, it's me clock going off again. <laughs> Look at that mess name. <laughs> That's not true. They aren't stuck completely together. If I get some hot water, yep. I can get them yep. apart. <laughs> It's going to get to me. So, so, what's your tip, Baz? Have you got any tips that you like um, that that you really think upped your game when you learnt them? Something that that you know when you learnt it or found out about it really changed your knife making. Is there anything uh, like that in your uh, repertoire? Hand sanding for me, I think, was the. Uh... Never really been a fan of hand sanding after grinding. Um, But for the last uh, four or five years now, I've really spent the time. And uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was Baldy that uh, Peter Bald or or, or Ali were telling me, or I think Ali actually showed me that, because I'd I'd normally grind uh, up to say 320. And then I'd hand sand, and I'd just do mainly uh, up to 400, 600. I think uh, on the Damascus, 800 to 1,000 is good. Um, I've been taking it to about 2,000, just because now that I've I've found that um, I find hand sanding quite therapeutic now. 
Um, where at one stage I couldn't give a shit, you know, oh, look, there's a couple of scratches in it. She'll be right. If you want to ask a decent price for your work, do a decent job. And uh, so I've really got stuck into hand sanding, which I really didn't like. Uh, now I find that it's one of the things I look forward to. I quite like it. Um, do you have a disc sander? Huh? Do you have a disc sander? No. Oh, okay. So you're coming off the belt. What's your routine? What do you come off the belt at? And then I, come start I come off at 320. I'll start yep. at uh, uh, 40 grip and I'll go through to 320, sometimes yep. 400 pens. I might put a few um, tries that belts over it, but normally I just go from 320. I'll start hand standing and I'll start at 240 and work my way up to you know, 1500, 2000. Um, and I've just got a, a, a vice stand. And just hand sand with a flat uh, stick yep. um and uh it was funny because i thought i was doing all right until i think it was about two years ago when john flurity did come in and uh he had a couple of knives that didn't have handles on that he wanted to get scratches out of so he was me how he did it and uh it was a lot simpler than the way i was doing it and i thought you know i'd give that a go and uh, I do that now, and I find that my finish is a lot better. I'm happy with my uh, uh, asking price. I'm happy with my quality of of the blade finish. Yeah, so I guess hand sanding is the thing. Um, I encourage people to do it. I don't know if you guys do it. Um, I got a secret to hand sanding that, that cuts your time down by about one-tenth. Never make Stop. a blade longer than four inches by half an inch. You never have any trouble with hands. It's easy. Oh, oh fuck's sake. True. <laughs> True. Yeah. Corin, I'm, I'm yeah. going to show you like a, I'm going to show you 10 years of work for you. So here I have 10 blades. They're all 240, 240 mil or so. That's like a 10 year of work for you, mate. I think so, it's more than that, Mert, but that's okay. That's okay. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Get... I'm not sure why I'm good with that, yeah, Mert, but I'll think about it as I sit here and. Oh, look at that. Oh. Is that a barrel knife in Blade Magazine? My I... goodness. Anyway, that's all right. <laughs> Sorry, Baz, this is just a long-running thing that pisses Mert off that, you know, I like to rub into him regularly. Pisses everyone else off. He makes yeah. one fucking knife a year, mate. He still has the same belt that he used in, like, 2016. <laughs> yeah, that was the same 400 grit. They're not nice to me. They fear my beauty. I've told you that. I must do that. Yeah. I'd have to agree with you, haters. Not. You're haters, right? Yeah, that's it. Haters gonna <laughs> hate. A lot, a lot of the time, trolls. Let these trolls. Guys, let these guys have their fucking argument when they when they stop cuddling and kissing each other. Um, Fuck yeah, me. the hand sanding thing is a big point because a lot of guys when they first get into knife making, they just want to get a knife out so fast, and then they finish and they go, "Oh, look at this cool knife that I've made." And anyone that's anyone that's been in the game long enough, especially that does hand sand, has been critiqued by the likes of. Peter Del Rasso, Sean McIntyre, 
and all those others about the marks that you can't see that they can instantly. Um, yeah, they put out these knives and that's the first thing that you notice is, oh, there's a big scratch there. Or, you know, you, you sort of go 10 more minutes and that would have been perfect. Yeah. But I think there's a tendency for them to want to get a knife out so fast that they skip those steps and they don't think they're sort of like when, I don't know, you and I first started out and you go, yeah, there's a scratch. No one will notice that scratch in the Ricasso nah, that's not or true. in the plunge line. No one's going to see that. And the first thing anyone does is pick up the knife. They pick up the knife and have a look and go, oh, didn't you notice that scratch there, mate? And you're like, oh, what the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. yeah, that's it. So you can't, you don't want to call it lazy. You don't want to call it lazy, but you don't want to be lazy. You want to you want to just keep getting that done. Look at Andrew's yeah. comment there. Did Mert, didn't Mert get a knife in the 2020 knives annual? Mert, did you get any knives in the no, 2020? I, I did. I, I don't I don't think so. Oh, that's a shame. I got two. Cuz um I've got two in there, Corin. Yeah, look at that. Fuck yeah. <laughs> How did you get haven't you get I, I, won't, I didn't I get any in 2020. The, Damn it. I want to give a chance to the new makers. That's, that's oh, all. yeah. That's what I was doing too, Mert. That's, that's where, that was exactly yeah, yeah. what I was doing. He's being kind. That's right. You know. Uh, anyway, happy days. All right. So, Cool Beans, where are we at, guys? One minute. One hour. And well, I think minutes. we're pretty close to wrapping it up for the evening. I've yeah. mixed lemon china with with Lefroig, and if anybody ever wants to try that, you've got to drink a bottle no. of lemon china first. Lemoncello. What the fuck? Lemoncello. Whatever. Jesus Christ. It's not. It's not Japan where they had lemon china. Lemon china. That was nice. <laughs> it was. It's a bit sour, but it's all right. It'll do. It'll do. <laughs> a bit bitter. Anyway, um, any other questions for our special guest, gents? Uh, anything from the crowd? Now's your chance. Quick. I, I got a question. Minutes. I got a question. Yes. Best if, best if you were starting over, mate, what would you do different? Or would you be doing the same thing? Would you be doing knives again? <clears throat> I'd like to, I'd like to think that, uh, I'd like to think that I'd do knives. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I didn't really have, uh, when I was, no. um, I didn't have any training in a professional sense for, for work. So I've always done uh, manual or physical work. I'd probably enjoy just doing what I'm doing. Um, yeah. And I think, think the way that our industry is going, those younger people that I spoke about, um, like say Ryan, um, he's got a good prospect for a good future um, if he sticks at what he does, because he's still young enough. You know, I, I've, I've been hanging around for about 20 odd years, but I've only been serious about it in the last 10. Um, if I was in my forties, there's a story out there to really um, to make something of yourself in the you know, industry um, on a big level. 
um, it's all very well to, you know, let's say someone at my age to uh, just be good at making some knives, um, selling some knives. Sure, we sell a lot of knives, but there's, if I was, let's say, 20 years younger, I, I would um, go off in a different direction, I reckon, Matt. Um, maybe look at uh, some sort of production. Um, if it could be kept in Australia, I'd do something like that. But as it is, I'm just keep doing what I'm doing. No, good on you, mate. No, nothing wrong with that either. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. And um, let's face it, you're doing a great job, mate. Um, we get everybody that's been there, seen what you do, how you do it. And it's not just that, it's your broad support of everybody in the industry, Baz. It's yeah. the fact that you're trying to pull people up with you. And that, to me, speaks more about a bloke's character than anything else. Like, you're, you're there, you've got, um, you know, everyone around you that you're trying to pull up with you, like Fire Ant and, and all the rest of them like um, Jake Mantle and his grinders and so forth. And, and, and us, you've done so much for Gamaco. You've done so much for um, for Ryan and others out there as well. Uh, just huge, man. That's so appreciated. It's it's an industry approach, and that's what I really love. So, tops. Yeah. Thank you, only that, only that one big black fucking Anthony Kittle mark. <laughs> yeah, but you know everybody's everybody's got that one. So you know we'll we'll just let's not bring yeah, it up I again. Know. Um, I know I can't help it. Yeah, stand. Just, to, can't help it. just just for a second, when I was first on the scene, so to speak, wanting to do what I wanted to do, there were, there was a couple of guys that knew what they were doing, and I asked them for help, and they didn't want to help. Um, and they were older guys. Um, it was a secret, and it was probably best not shared. And uh, I, I remember back then thinking, well, fuck you. Um, and my mantra now is that anybody wants to know anything, if I've got the knowledge to tell them, I will tell them, I will encourage them, I will help them. I'll give them bits of steel or let them go into the workshop. Just have a bash at it. Because a lot of people yep. that do start knife making, they don't continue it. Because, you know, it, it sounds neat. It um, sounds glamorous and all that sort of stuff. But um, it's, not all, it's not all cut out to, to be uh, pretty glamorous. And we all know that it's, it's, it's pretty hard. So whether they're male, female, young or old, I feel while I'm here and doing what I'm doing, I will encourage, I'll show people, I'll tell them in any way possible because I always remember those two blokes that said, no, nah, mate, it's all right. Go and see someone else. Yeah. yeah. Those I've got blokes, the same view, mate. Absolutely the, only, the same view. The only bloke like that in the Australian knife-making industry now, and I'm going to name names, is Mert Tanzu for not sharing 52-100 Harmons. He did. We just lost that into the <laughs> ones and zeros. No, seriously, this industry, this industry is so much fun, 
the people in it are so cool. Oh, and if there's anything, you know, we can do to help each other, mate, just like your forge, mate, I put it out there. I said, Gamaco will chuck in a couple of hunch. Brett will chuck in a couple of hunch. Who else wants in? 25 minutes later, Barry had a forge. He'd had a heart attack and, and he had a forge. So, you know, it's I don't even know who those guys <laughs> were and I can find out. So I will and, and we'll let Barry know. But I know that for everyone that donated, there was 10 that didn't get a chance because it sold out so quick, you know? That's it. So, yeah, so just, you know, that's the way it is. And, and Barry, we appreciate you. Um, Let's get some questions from the crowd. Stan Stanley says, what's your favorite material? Yeah, go for it. What's your favorite handle material? Uh, Yellow Melly, I reckon. Nice. Nice choice. I was going. I was going to say Mali Bird since you yeah. seem to use it a lot. Well, I do. A... I love it. And Gigi. Yeah, Mali's yeah. got a nice yeah. South yeah. Australian yeah. sort of origin, doesn't it? Like that yeah. Mali country is. Sean McIntyre, Sean McIntyre put me onto. Uh, I remember with some of his uh, early shows that he made some beautiful knives, and they had this magnificent wood that he I had. He does all right. He does all right. <laughs> yeah, he's not bad. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll if he was taller, you could give him some respect. Exactly, he's but he's a, not. He's a great maker. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, so I like Yellow Mally. Good. All right, Anthony All right. Kittle says, it was a good night, Legends and Kev. <laughs> Dino Hansaker <laughs> says, Rhea, Ryan, Ryan Dowdle is a bloody top bloke. So are you, Baz. Thanks, Dino. Um... Matt Snape says, if you could ever only use one knife, what would it be? More uh, a classic. More a classic. Sorry, that's all right. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> I think it's Joseph Rogers Bunny now. A what? Uh, jo- a company called Joseph Rogers made a little black bunny, what they called a bunny knife. Um. Or it'd be a drop point hunter, loveless style um, drop point. I just bought a yeah. I just bought a um. I just bought one off uh, off Del Rasso actually. Just this is my lockdown my lockdown spend. I bought a knife off Del Rasso. Oh, I'm looking at the bunny knife. You just can Google that. All right, cool. Julianne says, "Good night, boys." Good night, Julianne. Probably already gone to bed. That was a little while ago. Corey Cunningham says, if you weren't restricted by materials or time, what would you make? If I could make uh, a drop point hunter as good as Brett in New Zealand, um, I'd probably well, Sandow. Make, yeah. They're just, they're out there. Sensational. Um, and they were my first love, like a lot of people, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's probably what I'd do. Drop point hundred. Jamie Bishop, aka Sausage Man, says thanks, Baz, which is an understatement of the year. Good on your sausage. Thank uh, you, mate. Nick Allen says, Baz, you're a legend and always unbelievably generous with your time and knowledge. Here, here, <coughs> like you said. Thank yep. you, Nick. Connie Hansen says thanks for a great podcast, guys. Just waiting for Mert's song. We all are, Connie. <laughs> just to put it out there, we're all waiting for Mert's song. Some of us have been waiting we for are. a long time. 
Dino says you're you a champion, Baz. Dino, that's all right, mate. Get your hand off it, Dino. You've 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 said it, mate. We are a brotherhood. Dino, hands up. Dino, I've told you about this. Yeah. Raymond Davies <clears throat> says one was me. Now that was in reference to I fucking don't know what, but he said it, so it's all good. Blair Walker says, "What tools, if any, do you wish you'd started using earlier?" Power hammer. Oh. Probably hydraulic press. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Fair call. Uh, I I th I, th I think the answer is this sander, but you don't know it yet. Oh shit! I should have used this sander. <laughs> I can um, hook you up. I know a guy. It's all right. <laughs> Jimmy Barber says, "Oh yes, Jr. Bunny." No, it. Oh yeah, that's a, that's in response to the Joseph Rogers bunny knife. Uh, oh, yeah. Douglas says, another great Thursday night's entertainment cash-up. Good to see Baz as a guest. Yeah, thanks again, Baz, from us, actually. Absolutely. We'll get to that. Andrew <laughs> says, what does Baz have in his collection? Anything from other makers? That's a good one, Baz. What you got? Ooh. Uh, I've, got a, uh, I've got three. Yeah? I've got a, uh, early Steve Palacetti drop point. Nice. With uh, snake wood on it. Uh, I've got, I think it's early Bastion's first flipper. Really? Uh, oh, first flipper. <clears throat> which I use every day. And um, oh, I've got a couple of Brian Dowdy's uh, hunters. Nice. Hmm. Very nice. nice. Yep. That's a good collection. Yeah. Filicetti, uh, for those that don't know Steve Filicetti, <clears throat> um, he was basically the first doing mosaic <clears throat> damascus in the world really um the felicity flip yeah yeah it's quite incredible that uh when i went up to his property i i hadn't really seen a hydraulic press in action and steve had made something up that was attached to the pto of his tractor and it was just an amazing thing in this big shed I don't know if that was, you know, sparked me into doing things or not, but I remember being quite impressed. And um, I vaguely remember that he was doing a uh, samurai sword and outside beside the shed, he had one of those old chlor and ball baths, um, wrought iron baths. Yeah, yeah. And, cool. and he, he took this sword out of the forge and put it in this bar straight, and it just did a natural. <laughs> the story. It was just, yeah. just outstanding. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget. There's a, there's so a, maybe, maybe there's, that uh, where I got the hydraulic press. There's for. a young fella called Jez Jez who joins us sometimes. Jez Jez came up to me at a, at an at a iron fest uh, a few years ago now, and Jez says, oh, "I'm going to make a samurai sword," which is like pretty much what every beginner says to me <clears throat> and i sort of go oh yeah right or whatever and then he went over to keith flutter and he said see how your knives have the, the the bit that comes out of the blade that sticks through in the middle instead of being full he said they'd be heaps stronger mate if they were full and keith said fuck off mate and then <laughs> and then jez jez bought a piece of steel off me to make a samurai sword and came in uh, probably about three months later with a samurai sword he'd made from it 
and it was fucking magnificent. He filed <laughs> it by hand. It was beautiful. And and so, yeah, Jez is pretty cool. But he goes to Iron Fest now, and he does that quench that you're talking about in a glass-fronted tank in front of the crowd. Yeah, nice. Man, that takes, that takes balls. And it's glass-fronted, so you can watch it bend. And you can even hear it crack. That happened once. That was really cool. So there you go. The Tink of Doom. Anyway, Francis says, Thanks, guys, for bringing all this love together. And Raymond Davies says, I tripped in for the forge. Good on you, Raymond. There was heaps of people that missed out on that because seriously, it was like there was 400 bucks or something in dollar increments and it sold out in, in literally 25 minutes. So I'm sure Baz appreciates it, or at least he will when we get it to him. That's happening this week. And if I could just say a, a thank you to everybody. Um, it's, uh, straight from my heart to you guys. It's, uh, I, I thank you very much. No, mate, it's, it's the least we can do for what you've done for us, mate. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to blow smoke up your ass, but seriously, uh, those comments that you make on people's posts and on, um, you know, before a knife show, I always get that comment that says, good luck this weekend from Baz. It happens just about yeah. every time, yeah. man. Doesn't go man, unnoticed. Never goes unnoticed, Baz. We love you, man. Well done, Thank son. Thank you, guys. Good on you. Thank you, man. Yeah, good on you, man. All right, so um, uh, one last thing. Goichi's wife said she had fun listening along. We didn't do too much wrong this week because we had Baz and we're trying to be a little bit more professional. We're, we're on well his behaved. Benefit. So there was no yeah. cabbages. There was no um, fuck you, Kevs. Fuck, 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 fuck. There was none of that because, yeah, well, we let you all down and for that we blame Kev. So, all right, Um we wrap it up, boys? It's the, it's the bloody poison, mate, H2O. If we don't wrap it up in three and a half minutes, then it's going to tick over to another file on the podcast, which is harder to edit. So just let's fucking finish this now. Let's See you later, everybody. What? Over you. Thanks, Thanks for listening, guys. Don't Thank you, everyone. Rate and review us. Don't disappear, Please. Baz. Thank just you, stay Baz. on for a minute. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. We really appreciate you joining us tonight. And uh, Thanks, yeah, everyone. Yeah, there's like uh, we've had a pretty record... Big crowd, 60 people tonight. That's awesome. Good on you guys.